stepping back and stroking to Bogdanovich, thinking about a three. There it is. Yes! See it again. No double team help, and B takes it right to the rack. Those certainly were the good old days. What's going on, everybody? <laughs> this is the Feed to Embiid on a Saturday evening, about 4.30, December 4th. I do have uh, my comrade, Brian Toporek, with me tonight. Brian, I, I, ha, how has your sanity been um, <laughs> in the wake of this team, in the wake of your own life? Uh, is, is the hair coming out yet? Uh, oh, the hair has been coming out for a while. That's because I'm getting old and washed. But <laughs> I will say having a, an infant is less stressful than watching the Philadelphia 76ers on a nightly basis. That's right. That's right. Maybe you can just put the infant in front of the TV and he'll fall asleep on his own because yeah. it's so boring. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I feel bad. Like this is his first exposure to Sixers basketball. Like I, I missed the boat last year. That that was my one window. That's right. That's right. So the, the, the team is – there's something. Uh, I'll tell you that much. They are something. Um, at 12 and 11 right now, honestly, it feels much worse than 12 and 11. I, I, yeah. the, the, I don't. I don't feel like. I feel like the, the 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 state of affairs from the fan base side of things is certainly not 12 and 11. No, no, I know it was like all good vibes when they were eight and two. And then COVID wipes out half the team, and it has just been downhill ever since. But maybe this Hawks win, maybe this propels them back up because now you know they get Charlotte Monday, Wednesday. Like half of Charlotte is out with COVID, so that's right. Unless like you know James Booknight drops forty on them, and then then we hit a new low. But it'll it'll happen. You know it'll happen too. (laughs) Very strong chance. Yeah. Yes. of course, now we're at the point where it's devolved into a, a, a dark depression to the point where now it's like, oh, okay, this guy is out for the Sixers, so they'll win now. <laughs> yeah, right, right, yeah. It's like actual actual players on the Sixers need to not play in order for them to have a chance to win, um, right. which is just it's, – it's, it's a sad state of affairs, obviously. Um, Tobias Harris, it's not been a great go lately for him. Um, he's played 14 of the 23 games this season. Um Six of the misses were due to COVID and then misses the game last night with a non-COVID illness. I suspect the flu because it's been going around and uh, somebody from the Hawks was out with the flu as well, I think, or a non-COVID illness. So I just got to kind of correlate that in my head to maybe some seasonal stuff. But he misses the Sacramento game and the Golden State game with the hip. And he also missed some time with uh, – he didn't miss any time, but he was – there was some questionable injury reporting with, with, with the knee uh, that he bumped at some point. Um, so I, I think there might be a case where there is, you know, within him, there's a little bit of pain somewhere, you know, there's some things holding him back. Um, his vertical athleticism has never been great, but it feels like he's had a lot of trouble overcoming bodies at the rim, uh, th- th- this season. Um, here are some numbers for you from November 10th to December 2nd, oh, 18.8 points per game. Um, 48% on twos, which is the 34th percentile for his position, 46.6% effective field goal percentage with a three-point frequency, 22%. So not taking a lot of threes, 
Um, his effective field goal is down. His twos are down. Everything is down. Really. <laughs> um, what do you what do you make of all that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I knock on wood have been lucky enough to avoid COVID so far. But yeah. based on what Doc had said about Tobias and about Joel as well, yeah. both of them not only had it but had symptomatic cases of it, and we saw. Last year, uh, you know, a number of guys, Seth Curry on the Sixers, and then like Tatum had to use an inhaler after he had a case of it. So we don't know the extent. Like I, I haven't heard that Embiid or Tobias are using an inhaler now, but, you know, we don't know how that affected them. Like Embiid has said it affected his cardio, if nothing else. So maybe that's the case for Tobias as well. He's trying to get just back to normal. So mm-hmm. I, you know, it's it's hard for me to like, just jump to, oh, no, this guy just totally sucks now. Like, we don't know how it affected him. It affects everyone very differently. So I think we need to give him, you know, some grace there. Um, But in terms of just, it feels like he's back to the player he was in 2019, 2020, before Doc came. And then Doc comes and is like, (laughs) stop dribbling. Just make quick decisions. I don't want to see you you know, dribble out of wide open threes into mid-range jumpers with a hand in your face. Like that is the exact opposite of how you should play basketball. And now we're seeing that version of Tobias come back, being less decisive, you know, just ball stopping, basically. Like when when Doc continues to talk about the ball sticking and the offense not going anywhere, it's like more often than not, it's probably either Joel or Tobias that he's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you can like like – I don't think it's a skill thing that's the problem, but rather like a stylistic thing that's the problem. And I feel like that's not something that's just going to be. Um, th- th- this isn't something that is is just going to go away. Like if he feels healthy, or if he or if his if he you know his his body recovers from COVID, um, like he's just not thinking the game through very well right now. He's he's, mm-hmm. uh, he's dribbling too much and. I feel like they should put like one of those dog collars that where like, you have the, like, <laughs> we have the, like, the electric fence, you know, yeah. where, overstep it, it, it zaps you, but put that on his ankle. So every <laughs> three dribbles, zap. Yes. Yeah. That's it. Or it just sure. goes inside the three point arc. Like we don't want yeah. to just stay outside for three games. That's, That's your right. only shot you're allowed to take. That's right. Everything inside the arc is hot lava. The yeah. <laughs> right, right. I'll do that. But you make a great point though with the, the it is a fascinating how just because Joel admits the fact that he's had trouble with COVID um, and he's been pretty public about that struggle. People are a lot more willing to forgive his recent struggles. Whereas with Tobias, there's no, there, 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 there's no room for, for understanding. It's that he, Oh, he sucks. I told you he sucks. He's always sucked. Um, And we should, we should relitigate everything that's ever happened to the Sixers because of Tobias. (laughs) Well, Um, I I think too, like Joel, we saw last year, you know, runner up as MVP, just, has a much higher ceiling than Tobias and is earning less than Tobias. Like Tobias, when he signed that contract, it's the same thing that happened to Andre Iguodala years ago in Philly. Like as soon as you sign that type of major contract, the expectations go up as well. And like Tobias Harris is a very good player. I don't think he was ever going to live up to that type of deal. So that always comes as part of, if he's earning half as much money, I think we have half as many complaints about Tobias Harris as we do right now. Well, yes. And I, I feel like that, that's a hundred percent correct, but to be fair to Tobias, it wasn't like he had this 
Brandon Brandon Ingram burst onto the scene esque year and and where he's an all star and he's with this and that and then he goes in the free agency and then completely regresses. He was like 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 his he had the best season of his career, but there was a sort of a linear progression there. Mm-hmm. Um, he thought I remember hearing this somewhere, but he thought he was getting like four one twenty on his on his next deal, and they come in with five one one eighty. I feel like anybody in that position would like any random Joe who is worth you know who at most thinks I'll get like a veterans minimum deal to come play basketball and sit at the end of the bench. If 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 if, 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 a, if a GM said I will give you five years, one hundred ninety million dollars, anyone's gonna be like, I know I'm not worth this, but I'm <laughs> right, right. I'm not. To be clear, I'm not blaming him at all. Yeah. Like it's, and I'm no. not blaming the Sixers either, honestly, because like the Knicks were out there, they had a ton of money. That was the year I believe that KD and Kyrie spurned them. So yeah. there were going to be other suitors. I mean, this is where you get into the relitigation of like. Well, they knew this offer was coming. They knew they were going to have to pay up like right. this. Do you trade right. for him in the first place knowing it? Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I I guess my point is that it's less about Tobias not living up to anything and more about he was never going to live up to this. Right. But that's not his fault. So why yeah. is why is he the door, the doormat? But um, a couple more numbers that I think are just very telling of, of the way it's been for Tobias this year. Minus four on the season with him on the court are the Sixers. They are plus 27 with him off the court. <laughs> great. <laughs> Those are great. Yes. Great values. Now, some of that is going to be that they played the Kings without him and that Kings team was a shit show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And other part of it is that a lot of the games that they lost without Joel on the road, they got blitzed. They got blitzed by right. the Warriors. Well, they, well, he was, he didn't play the Warriors game, but they got blitzed by Utah. Um, you know, the, the, there was the Knicks game where he played pretty well in New York and they just got blitzed anyway. So there are going to be games where he, that isn't a f- true reflection of him. Um, but over the last nine games where he's really struggled, um, minus 10 with him on the court, minus 25 with him off the court. So I think that kind of tells about like, you know, the Embiid absence. But mm-hmm. last season with Ben there, even when Ben wasn't producing the way that he can, it was still – Ben's catching the ball and he's bursting towards the middle of the lane. And then even if he's not doing anything himself, he's still pulling two over to, to, to sort of stop the drive. And then he's kicking to Tobias who is then either shooting or slashing. So I think there's a Ben Simmons domino effect here where there's a a catalyst missing that causes this all to happen. Um, And I think that's just part of the Ben Simmons effect that people don't want to talk about is Tobias is now in a position where he has to make more plays. He has to make more decisions rather than just catch and go because there is not a big six foot 10 guy with the dynamic facilitation ability there to draw to and then kick. Um, And I think that's just part of it. Um, Now, before Tobias missed six games with COVID, they were plus 13 with him on the court and they were plus 37 with him off the court. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Grant it's like the first part right. sounded good, but uh. <laughs> now the first, the first, the first part is a sample size of 198 minutes. Second part is 90 minutes. So there's probably so there's got to be like you know the end of that New Orleans game where the bench came alive and was mm. like expanded the lead to 20. There's some things there. There's games where they just had garbage time in the fourth quarter and and they were able to really add on to the leads and whatnot. Um, but the fact of the matter is that he just simply has not been very good and they were much better with him off the court last night, and at least in the first quarter. Um, by the way, last season, they were plus 324 on the season with him on, 
plus 78 with him off. But in the 337 minutes last year where Joel and, and, and Ben were off the court and Tobias was on the court, they were plus they were plus 7.42 points per 100 possession. So Tobias was a was it wasn't that like we overrated Tobias. I don't think it's mm-hmm. that. I think it's that he had a very good year last year uh, with some factors that the fans might not want to admit and that Ben Simmons aided him being better. He was probably more confident than he is right now. He didn't have COVID. He didn't have injuries. Um, I think the jury is still very much out. There's 60 games or so left in the season uh, for him to, you know, recover this. But right now you're seeing a lot of the things that triggered Sixers fans two seasons ago. And it was just dreadful and awful and don't want to relive that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think part of it too is, you know, the whole team is still getting used to Tyrese Maxey running the point rather than Ben. Like there is a stylistic difference in that Ben was always a pass first guy. Tyrese is much more of a scoring threat in half court setting. So we've seen, you know, since Joel has come back, Tyrese's scoring has gone down because he is now trying to figure out, okay, and Doc has said this, like, I got the got to get the ball to Joe, got to get the ball to Tobias, got to get the ball to Seth. Um, but these guys, too, have to figure out, okay, how are we going to have Tyrese set us up instead of Ben Simmons, who we've been playing with for the last couple seasons, like the continuity that this team otherwise could have really relied on. Like, that could have been one of their strengths and helped them rack up early season wins because of Ben Simmons' absence, they don't have that, and they're learning to play with a new head of the snake. Yeah, and I, I think it's a, it's a great point, the stylistic differences, because if you're a guy in Tobias' shoes and you're with Ben Simmons, you're, you're thinking, this guy is going to pass at any point. I got to be ready to go. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Tyrese Maxey, it's, oh, shit, wait, he passed me. <laughs> okay, now, <laughs> right, right, right. Now, now, now I got to do something here. So I think it is a di- it's a reset of you know, the, your wiring in your brain. But having said that, there's just no excuse for him catching the ball, um, you know, against the magic and off of a pin down and then faking and then two steps in for a pull up 15 footer. And you can even see Doc's body language. He like yeah, yeah. his hands up in the air. <laughs> <laughs> I did <laughs> like that. Yeah. And then against the Celtics the other night, it was like the first play of the game where he dribbled in and thought about it and then stepped back for a three and missed it. So you're just yeah. like, you got to get that wiring down. Um, now, you know, there's, again, we'll we'll see where it goes, but it obviously has been a tough go of it lately. What I can't stand seeing anymore are the tagging Daryl in tweets, tagging Doc, (laughs) anybody, Sixers in tweets and saying, trade Tobias, gotta get rid of Tobias. I got news for everybody. No one wants that contract. Not right now. They don't. Maybe a year from now, maybe a year and a half from now when there's less time left, that maybe becomes a more palatable deal for a team that, has you know uh wants to take on a draft pick for an expiring guy maybe that happens then but right now that trade's not going to happen so right now it's how do you get the best out of him how you where 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 is ben simmons going to fall in the mix here that's what the situation is and there's no point in talking about anything else because i don't think anybody's taking on that contract right yeah i mean also the question is what are you trading tobias for like if you you know, I, I've seen a lot of like, oh, trade Tobias for CJ McCollum since the Ben the seat for CJ deal isn't going to happen. It's like, all right, cool. Makes sense. But then you're having Tyrese Maxey, CJ McCollum and Seth Curry in the same. Like, that's your one, two, three. Because and then Danny Green's going to be your four. Like, that's right. We're, we're just going to make Danny Green the designated defensive defensive guy for everybody. He might not stop. <laughs> he will be the first line there. 
right and that like okay cool then you trade ben simmons for a four who like i i like the idea in theory but i feel like if it's a tobias and cj trade in particular it'd have to be like cj and covington for tobias and seth and the sixers should not want to give up seth just no. baseline but especially you know that like that's where i think that deal goes to hell so i, I agree with you i i I'd be surprised if they are – I think they're willing to move Tobias. He's not the caliber of player. I mean, if they're willing to move Ben Simmons, they're very clearly willing to move a player worse than Ben Simmons. They tried to move Tobias in the Harden deal last year. They were like, they were like, we'll try Tobias and shake and picks and see where it's <laughs> so – good. Like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm good with that. <laughs> Shocking. That. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I don't think he's getting moved this year. Yeah. At least. And I also think – People underestimate the importance, especially for a guy like Embiid, where there's been so much revolving door with personnel around mm-hmm. him. The more guys that you trade, the worse. It's not going to get better. Like you, you yeah. might be, it might the talent might improve, but the talent still has to fit together. And if Joel is like, "Oh, this guy's gone now." Oh wait, no, my shooter Seth Curry's gone now. Oh well, this new guy will come in. Oh well, I don't. I, he doesn't really get me yet. It's not. It, it, it's it's not. You're, you're probably going to be in a position where you're not as great not as better off as you think you are if not worse um is is where i stand there now um a lot of a lot of talk has been made about the the play at the end of the boston game the glorious i can see taking a deep breath and shaking your head which is how all the Sixers fans felt Uh, just that whole game like just i wish the men in black like memory eraser thing was real so i could just memory hole that from my existence that's right um so i gotta tell you i thought it was a great play thought it was a good play um by doc and because when you like when you when you look at the the matchups there like they have jalen brown they have marcus smart they have al horford they have jason Tatum. those are all guys that can switch and so when you have switchiness like that, where you can't just bully one guy, your play has to be really simple, or else mm-hmm. you're gonna end up get you're gonna end up accidentally switching the wrong guy onto yourself and getting screwed. So, you know, I, I like the idea of taking Maxi out because he's not a shooter, he's also mm-hmm. not a good passer. And plus, when they have that much size, you don't want to put that much size on a passer. You don't because then it's gonna be problematic. So. Niang is the inbounder. It's a bad pass to Tobias first off because right. he has to jump and he has to, you know, he basically has to forfeit his positioning on the floor in order to get the ball. And Horford has a chance to then sneak up under him and put pressure on him. And he's catching the ball away from the basket anyway. I thought the spacing was fine. You have Seth in the corner. You have Danny at the at, at the right wing, and then George's fades to the opposite corner. And they ultimately got Joel with a mismatch on Jalen Brown, which is. Mm-hmm really all you can ask for. Like you, all, only thing you can ask for in this situation is just to have a smaller defender on your most dominant player. That's all you need. To, did Tobias lose his head? Yes, he lost his head. He also had, had Al Horford there like trying to push him back to the line as he's catching the ball. So not a great play by Tobias. It was a terrible game by Tobias. Also wasn't a good inbound pass by Niang. I think that's something that you just live with when you when, when, when calmer heads prevail. Yeah. No, I completely agree. I think it's more of uh, execution was flawed rather than the play itself was flawed. Because as you yeah. said, if it's a better pass to Tobias and Tobias can just hit Embiid, more often than not, Embiid's either going to score or draw a foul. Hope, honestly, you're probably just hoping for a foul in that situation because there wasn't really time for him to, you know, there's only a couple seconds left. He's not going to be able to back down Jalen 
with his usual like series of moves. Right. Um, so yeah, I think it was just, and we've seen Doc too. Like he, you know, out of timeout plays have not been a weak suit for Doc. Like he, he has his strengths and weaknesses as a coach. Rotations you could poke a lot of holes in. The, the plays he draws up are, tend to be pretty good. So I think that was more just, you know, the execution not being on point. And, you know, again, this is another place. I, I, Sixers fans are going to hate to hear this, but if you have a Ben Simmons there to make that pass instead of Niang, you know, maybe it's a little bit more on the money or you can draw up something slightly different to get Tobias, you know, further away from the sideline. Yeah. I think like, there is a case to be made that maybe like Danny Green, because he has no problem throwing an inbound pass to, to a post player. Yeah. Maybe he should be the one you're setting down screen for, except if Tobias is in the corner, they were helping off Tobias to double Joel earlier in the corner. In the corner. Right. So they were, so, so that was going to just add an extra body that was going to help off of Tobias. So I, I think overall the schematic uh, setup of the play, the, 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 the manipulation of the play was fine. Execution just sucked. But when you, but when, yeah. but, but when it, when it, when and it's an ATO fans judge it by, okay, who took the last, who took the shot and did it go or did it go in or not? And if that's, and if it's a binary of, of oh, this guy took the shot and he missed it's, Oh, the ATO sucked. Well, no, that wasn't the case. It was a fine ATO. Um, they just blew it up. <laughs> um, <laughs> now I do think though, there is something about their late game execution when they don't call a timeout, like Minnesota game. Um, they're up three with like a minute to go. Minnesota scores, and then they come down. They don't use a timeout, and they're just nonchalant. It's like 20 seconds left on the clock, and I'm sitting behind the – I'm in the media section, and I'm sitting behind. I'm looking at the, the shot clock. I'm like, well, wait a minute. They're going to have a lot of time left if you guys don't if you guys don't go. And then Max, he's just they're, – they're, you know, he's just standing around. Joel's just standing around. They're not ready to make a play. And mm-hmm. turn them over. Timberwolves convert the bucket, and that's the game. Last night against the uh, Hawks, they don't take a timeout. The final play of the game is five seconds left. Danny's at the half court line trying to throw an in, trying to throw an, an <laughs> to Embiid with the shot clock winding down. So they're not getting good live action plays out mm-hmm. of that final execution. And that's something that as a coach, you should have seared into the, your players' brains with, okay, five seconds left on the, on the clock. There's no timeouts. You to go full court. What's the player running? The, the that I feel like has been, has failed them recently. Um, and I know Doc in the beginning of training camp said, um, we're, we, we, we had a lot of carryover from last year. So we're comfortable with where we were on that front. Now we're focusing on end of game execution. Well, <laughs> got news for you, buddy. It's not going great on that front. Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, like I agree, it shows up most pointedly at the end of games, but I feel like the execution just hasn't been great offensively for most of the season. Yeah. And like, I, I don't have the cleaning the glass numbers in front of me in terms of like what their half, half court rank is, but like with all of the absences because of COVID and just random injuries, like I almost just want to throw out any season long numbers for the Sixers anyway. Cause it's like, there's so much noise in there right now, but this is where I'm just relying on the eye test. And it's like, I think last year, because Embiid was so individually dominant, both just in general, but especially with this face-up game, like we he had never hit shots at that clip before. 
he helped cover up a lot of their overall team flaws. Yeah. It was just like individual brilliance. And we're seeing that to some extent with Seth Curry this year. Like there are a lot of plays where the offense just does nothing for 20 seconds. Seth Curry gets the ball with two seconds left on the shot clock, hits a difficult shot. So it's like, you know, going back to your binary example, like what was the outcome of this possession? The Sixers scored great, but the execution sucked and you can't rely on that moving forward. Uh, So I, I think they've had somewhat of these issues really throughout Doc's entire tenure. It's just like Joel Embiid was playing at an MVP level last year. He is not, you know, he's playing, he's an all-star. Like I think it's fair to say he went healthy. He's playing at an all-star level, but not, you know, I haven't heard his name in the MVP conversation this year. And I don't think it should be yet. Tobias has taken a step back from where he was, you know, Maxi, when all these guys were out was putting up huge numbers, but now that they've returned, he's taken a step back. So like Seth Curry has been the one constant throughout this year. Like you can count on Seth Curry. We all drew up because we all, we all thought it would happen. Yeah, right. Exactly. But you know, the rest of it, it's like, I just don't know what to expect out of any of these guys on any given night. And when Joel is struggling to the extent that he has, you know, I know he bounced back uh, against Atlanta, but against Orlando and Boston, it was like seven of 33 or whatever. Um, you know, like the team is built around Joel Embiid. And if he's struggling to that extent, they're probably going to struggle as well. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally, totally agree with that. And, you know, that the, the, those were the same miscues and the same shortcomings they had prior to Doc. Um, mm-hmm. There's the roster construction that they, they haven't had shot creators. Um, they had one and they chose to resign Ben over him and they let him go and they brought in Al Horford instead. Um, <laughs> and Josh Richardson. That's right. Josh Richardson. That's right. That's right. That was, that was, that was a great time. Um, <laughs> we're, we're all involved. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I think number one, they just, they haven't had an X's and O's tactician to really organize an offense. Like there, there have been so many games this year where it's gotten too close or they've lost when they could have won because there was no fourth quarter offense, really. There, there, it was the stock letting them say, okay, we're going to identify the guy that we're going to go to, and that'll be it. And this isn't high school. You can't just, like, have the coach at the sideline screaming different, like, banana 42, like, different <laughs> plays. That, plays. It, that isn't how that works in the NBA, because at the end of the day, everyone is smart enough and advanced enough to know and identify, like, okay, this is what this means, this is what that means, this is how we're going to counter it. So at the end of the day, you have to put the ball in your best player's hands and just go sometimes um but they could use more organization um and i know doc can do it because like last night you saw with this with, they were down five and then he draws an ato for seth and he gets a curry he gets a trey young switched onto him and they draw up a beautiful you know uh curl around the screen of a pin down and nail a three for seth more plays like that are how you can make seth's life a little bit easier without having to have him dribble through through, through fire and traffic every time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just think more of that would be helpful too. Take a quick break from the pod to talk about our sponsors at the King Cobra. Do you like shotgunning beer? Do you want to increase your shotgunning time at parties? Check out my boys at the King Cobra. The King Cobra is a shotgunning tool that makes the perfect shotgunning hole in under a second. It's also a tab puller, vent puncher, and all fits on a keychain. For more information about the King Cobra, you can check them out on Instagram at the King Cobra Co. That's the King Cobra Co. Um, and Cobra is spelled with a K. 
for a 10% discount on all, on all products. Enter the code, trust the Cobra 10, all caps, all one word. Pick up yours today. But going on to Joel's touch, um, it's been frightful, to say the least. Um, 45.4% effective field goal, which is the eighth percentile for, for, for centers. That's great. Um, 41.3% on twos. That's the sixth percentile for, for players of his position. 26, we've all seen this stat now by now, but 26% of his field goals are coming at the rim, which is awful. 57% are on the mid-range, and he's shooting 35% on mid-range. So <laughs> nothing is going well for him at the moment. I don't know, and he's and he said the ball is 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 something. And I think that's real because I think more guys have have, have mentioned that. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that game is start is starting to catch up a little bit. Paul George is starting to catch up a little bit. They've had more time to play. Joel has not. He's had four, whatever it was, six games or whatever, seven eight games, and then COVID for nine, and then back now. And he's trying to get his his legs back under him. Um. But that touch has really evaded him to the point where, it, like across the board, uh, this is the worst he's been at the rim since his rookie year. This is the worst uh, mid-range shooting of his career, and of course, it's the best three-point shooting of his career. Naturally, Naturally. <laughs> which makes sense. Yes, of course. Um, I don't really know what to make of that, other than I think he's probably already missed enough time and played poorly enough at, t- at points to. The MVP conversation is probably a lost cause at this point. Oh, yeah, it's gone. Yeah, yeah. that's completely gone. Yeah. At, at, I always thought that was going to be a reach anyway, unless yeah. they traded Ben quickly, because I just yeah. didn't think the record was going to be good enough for him to be in that mix. But, yeah, he's not catching. I mean, I think it's Steph, Katie, Giannis, one, two, three in some order. And, like, Jokic is playing at a, you know, the, a similar level to what he did last year. But the Nuggets without Murray, you know, without MPJ, I think – he and Embiid are going to be in a similar boat where it's like these teams just aren't going to be good enough for them to get legit MVP conversation. When he's not just trucking Markeith Morris in the back. Right, uh, right. He's playing great. But, I mean, to be fair, I think we all supported that. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, I mean, and the point about Embiid, you know, again, it's like with Tobias. Like, I want to give him some leeway here between COVID, which he, again, has said, like, really – did a number on him. Um, and then also the knee, you know, he injured it in the first game of the season. And I don't know if it was just like a bruise or if it was at all related to the meniscus injury from last year, or if he's feeling any effects from the menis- meniscus injury, because he did not get that surgically repaired. So we don't, you know, if, if we had to put a percentile on like how healthy is Joel Embiid right now or how like w- Compared to peak physical condition, where is Joel Embiid? I don't know the answer to that, but I'm guessing we're in like the 70% range rather than like 85, 90, 95. So I think that's probably part of it. And like, I, again, I hate to keep beating this drum, but it's another place where you see the absence of Ben Simmons that for as much consternation as there has been about can these guys work together? How do they fit together? They at least had chemistry, especially in the regular season when you know teams aren't as locked in defensively like i i forget what the exact number is but i i know that sixers like toward the bottom of the league in terms of transition points this year they're just not getting a ton of easy opportunities um and i think a large part of that is the absence of ben simmons so you know this is again like i don't know that we're ever going to see ben simmons in a sixers uniform again so you can 
bemoan it all you want, but they're going to have to figure this out either way. Hopefully things get better whenever they do trade Ben and stop wasting a roster spot and $30 million of cap space on someone who's not playing right now. Like at some point there's hopefully an infusion of talent or reinforcements coming that will make them better. Um, But like personally for this first quarter of the season, I've cared less about win loss record and overall stats and standings and all that stuff. It's like, you just almost have to go back to the process years where you're just like tracking individual improvement or, you know, in the case of Tobias regression, (laughs) Joel too, honestly. Um, You're just trying to see like what have these guys either added to their bag in the last year or, or over the off season or like, you know, where are some of the problem spots that, you know, if they, if they do make the playoffs and if they do, especially go on a deeper run, you know, what, what could be their Achilles heel come game five of a second round series? Yeah, no, I, I, I think it's a good point uh, for, for sure. And you, you, the point about Ben, I think is spot on. Like Ben knew how to get Embiid the ball. Um, he, you know, and Embiid because of that knew how to establish himself in the post. I feel like this season he hasn't, really made an effort to like establish himself in the post and there's and there I wrote this last night but there's a difference between walking your man down to the paint and just like saying like hey i'm here ready to go right and right. there's and then there's i'm gonna get my guy down in the paint i'm gonna plant myself there i'm gonna spread my legs out wide to really establish my positioning and then i'm gonna stick my arm out and demand the ball that's like that's that's what joe was doing last night and the shots weren't falling but but he was getting to the rim a lot more and that's mm-hmm. why i got up 28 points on 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 the night um, but I also, you know, I, I don't know how much of it has been actions in the offense to help him sort of just get open looks and get going. Um, like last year they had that delay action where it was just basically Joel starts initiates at the top of the key and then they go ISO middle of the floor as we can see everything. Um, now to be fair to everybody, Everyone knows how good Joel is and right. you know how bad the Sixers are outside of Joel. So right. It holds that he's probably never going to see a single coverage this season for more than a possession or two. So his shots are all going to be harder to c- come by. And as much as if people clown Ben Simmons, he got him easy looks because he could, because he was the over, he had a good over the top threat. Um, it was a good pick and pop partnership. Um, and, it, it, you know, they had the snug pick and roll that worked pretty well. So, all factors that would have made Joel's life easier with, with, with you know, with, with Ben present. Ultimately, I think he's too good of a player for this to can persist and to mm-hmm. hold him back all season. I just think he needs to get some rhythm, uh, get his legs under him, and sort of figure out how we can get, you know, how the Sixers as a team can 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 find ulterior or you know other entrances to the to the to the basket. Right. Now, um, it sounds like your team outlook is pretty is pretty low. <laughs> yeah, I think. I mean, I until they resolve the Ben situation, I just don't know how you can look at them as like a surefire top six seed. Maybe, you know, as, assuming health moving forward, and some team will probably get upended by an injury at some point, or as, as we see with Charlotte, like they're probably going to lose the next couple games because half of their rotation is now in health and safety protocols. And 
you know, given the state of the world as of late, it seems like that's going to become a more common occurrence. I think COVID is going to just be more of a factor than any of us would have anticipated coming into this year. Yeah. Um, so, you know, maybe, maybe the Sixers keep getting lucky and like the, the basketball gods pay us back for what we had to go through early in the season. And we just keep catching teams as they get their COVID outbreaks, but you know, fully healthy. Let's say everyone in the East is fully healthy. Like I can't put them in the Milwaukee Brooklyn tier. Mm -hmm. Miami's interesting now with Bam out for at least a month, if not two, um, you know, I think fully healthy, they would have been a comfortable top six seed. I don't think you can put them there. Chicago, I don't think is a fluke. Washington, I don't think is a fluke. I, Chicago, I think is pretty safely a top six seed. Washington, I think has a chance, but I, I'm not like guaranteed they're 100% going to finish in there. So like, I think you could put the Sixers in a tier with a bunch of teams, like the Washington, Boston, Atlanta, Miami now, Charlotte, um, I'm sure there's one or two other ones I'm forgetting, but like, I just think the East is so Cleveland is the one, uh, the East is just good and deep now. So there aren't really many gimme games. And even the, the ones we thought like Orlando was supposed to be a gimme game and that came down to the you know last couple possessions. So, you know, it, where the last like 10 years or so, there were always at least a couple of East teams that were just roadkill like you you saw them as just a schedule win that really isn't the case anymore and you look at the Sixers schedule from now through the end of December it's brutal I think it was like 13 of their 15 opponents had a winning record uh, on December 1st so you know if the Ben situation lingers as it there has not been an update recently that makes me think a, a trade is coming at any point soon um so with with that schedule coming up, you know, I think they'd be pretty lucky to be 500 come January 1st. And at that point, you're, you know, you'll maybe be in playing territory, but like you're not going to be in the top six in the East. Yeah, I almost feel like if they get to the plan and they're that they're at that level, it's probably just better to cut just to just lose there and be done. Yeah. <laughs> um, for our own sanity. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I gotta tell you, I think for whatever reason, I remember that six game winning streak a lot better than this current skid. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's probably a better indicator of, of what the team is. I don't know why I think that. Um, <laughs> but I just think that there was like an element to MB the game where even if he was struggling to score the ball, his playmaking was much improved. He was making mm -hmm. you know, good reads. Um, teams were, I think, virtually at full health, and they were winning those games. Um, and, I mean, they took two from Chicago, um, and Chicago is legit. And then I think, you know, Miami falls back down to earth a little bit with Bam out. They right. might just end up being the one seed again. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. <laughs> Who knows? That, that, would be, that, would be, that would be the funniest thing ever. Um, if that, it just comes back to that. Um, do you think that the city of Philadelphia should just send Ben a collective like like uh, tray of chocolate candy saying like, yeah. 
forgive me. It's <laughs> gonna say some like nice soothing bath bombs. Yes, exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah. A collect like a massive boombox outside his apartment, right. like, <laughs> asking him to come back. <laughs> uh, yes, I don't think it's gonna work, but you know, at, at this point, it, it seems like Daryl is. You know, we'll see what happens December fifteenth. I think that we're starting to get into the time where conversations will actually start picking up. And that isn't to say that, you know, there weren't a ton of guys who signed this summer that I think are like the holdup in a bench trade, but between that, the, just the ability to trade guys who signed this summer, and that includes guys on the Sixers too. Like, you know, Korkmaz has been struggling a lot this year. Like if they're willing to include him, if, if it's a bigger deal and they need more salary in particular, like you can include him or you can include Danny. Um, so that at least gives them more options as well in terms of building a Ben trade package. But also, you know, we're, we're now seeing teams like Portland just fired Neil Olshay yesterday. Um, Indiana has not gotten off to the start that they would have expected. And, you know, losing to the heat last night without Jimmy and without Bam, it seems like Pacers yes. Twitter had a, had a pretty good meltdown. I saw, I saw your tweet from my other account because my current account has been hacked. Thank you for, Thank you to the Twitter bots for, for getting me hacked. So that was great. Um, um, but yeah, no, I, I think Indiana is definitely sure. I mean, they, they can't trade Oladipo or they can't trade uh, Brogdon because, Brogdon, yeah. because of, the, of the extension. But like SGA, didn't he, he signed, he's eligible, I think, for an extension or the, to, to be he, traded on December 15th, right? He, yeah. So he's an interesting one because he signed the extension. It's a max deal, which usually like with a rookie scale guy, his outgoing salary will be his current salary. And then the team taking him, it's the average of his new deal plus his current salary. So it'd be about, he's going to count for basically 30 million for any team that acquires him, but OKC, you'd only count for 5 million. So it's like almost impossible to trade those guys on those poison pill deals, but OKC is almost 25 million under the cap. So they're like the one exception to this rule where, I don't know if the salaries would exactly line up. I think you would probably need OKC would probably need to send a little bit more back or to a third team, but it's at least possible. And mentally I had like discounted it as soon as SGA signed that extension. But then this week, you know, our friend Dave early mentioned that the Sixers have at least internally discussed him. I was like, wait a second. They actually could potentially get him. Couldn't they? I I I'm, I'm a, I do you think like Woj and Shams and whomever else have like their just their, their Twitter uh, drafts the stock and then as soon as the hits midnight they're just like oh my god I gotta unload all of these just like, <laughs> like Daryl Morey trades he's just like this is like in the works since like November just <laughs> like just the how many different drafts they have of Ben Simmons has been traded for Damian Lillard CJ McCollum yes. yeah 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 uh, hopefully. Yeah, and like we're just and we're like we're all staring here watching this. Like, wait, so who's on the roster at the end of the night? Like, who else <laughs> still here? Is is, right. is is Doc still here? Has he been traded too? That's um, all that matters. If Joel's yeah. here, it's fine. I, I know it really is the case. Um, you, last time you were on my pod, you had a take about a player who was going to get a max deal, who you said you would not give a max deal to. It was John Collins. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I think your take has aged pretty well for the most part. I'm curious if you have a new target for whom might Ooh. get a max deal 
but you would not give him a max deal. And you cannot say John Wall is not an option. <laughs> I don't think he'd be in line for that anyway, but no, he's, no. he's an upcoming free agent. I don't, he is not, he is not an option. Who is a guy who you're just like looking at and you're like, I would not give him max money. The really spicy take would be James Harden. I agree. In fact, in fact, I've heard that there's been some like, they're not 100% sold that they're going to do that, Brooklyn. Interesting. I, yeah. I mean, I would give him a shorter term max deal, like a two-year max deal, fine. Five years is where I get nervous if it's fully guaranteed. Yeah. I I think the Sixers, if they don't make a trade for like they don't they don't do this impending SGA trade <laughs> or, right, like, right, right. or like or like anything else, I think Daryl has hard encircled. I, yeah. I think that's something that he's gonna push for pretty hard in the offseason. That wouldn't surprise me. And you could especially if Kyrie does come back or whatever happens there, you could make a case for it. Like it, it would make sense for the Nets to do it. I mean, get I mean, I guess even without Kyrie, like KD and Simmons could work well together. Um, the other guy who I like, I think Aiton gets a max or close to it. I feel pretty good about it. Miles Bridges is having a hell of a season. Oh, that's a good one. And I like, I'm worried for Charlotte that he's going to get. I don't think he gets a max either. I. But if they feel pressure to give him one because of the the season that he's having, that's that's going to age like a Tobias contract. Wow, do you think when he get and he he gets the leak out pass and he's alone and he just goes up for like one of those spiraling dunks that he just sees dollar signs? Just I I hope so. I mean, yeah. he at geez, like honestly, he's just anytime he sees Lamelo walking into the building, he's like, here's. $15 like you have just made me so much money in the last year. This is an escrow account. I'm going to put the, I'm going to deposit money in here. Yeah. Yeah. Time you pass to me. <laughs> I honestly like he LaMelo probably deserves 20% of Miles Bridges next deal at least. That's right. That's right. All right, Brian. Well, enjoy the rest of your Saturday night. Thanks for hopping on. Where can they, uh, where, where can everybody find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at btoporek, B-T-O-P-O-R-E-K. I write about the Sixers and some salary cap stuff for Forbes, so I'm sure I'll have plenty more on the Ben Simmons stuff, especially as we get to December 15th. And uh, I'm the co-host of the NBA podcast. You can find that wherever podcasts are found. I do like the name of your podcast because it's like, this is the official NBA podcast. Like, yeah, like, it, like, it's the only like, one. It's weird. I For such a big sport, it's crazy that there's only one NBA podcast. I, I love I love it though. It's just like, like this is the NBA podcast. <laughs> this is all it is. <laughs> I know. We we're, we're going for SEO. Let's let's hope it uh it pays off at some point. That's right. All right, Brian. You take care. Have a good night. Of course. Thanks for having me on, man. You too.